When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome to the main event, Marcus Podcast. I am your co-host, Troy. And joining me here for this bonus show, it is our WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? What up? Man, it is another bonus show, another month. We are here in September, the greatest month of the year, the month that uh, is the 30-day period out of the year where Green Day annually hibernates. So it's a good time to be had by all, Greg. (laughs) You're a dork. And it's the first of the Burr months. So, yeah, since it's September in uh, WCW land, that was always fall brawl time of the year. And I was never a huge WCW fan back in the day, so I didn't really follow it. I was more of a WWF guy. But did you look forward to fall brawl every year? (laughs) What the hell kind of question is that? Yes. 
I've watched them all, dude. Oh, well, I, well, I don't know. I, I just mean, didn't I watch know. that crap ECW crap. Yes, I said yeah. it twice because it's worth it. Crap. No, we've, we've lost like, I don't know, two listeners. So. Oh, no, not the Philadelphia fanboys. Oh, man, they're going to go back and watch their Eagles and make another angry video, man. <laughs> this is one of my favorite events to go back and watch. I, I want to like put a goal in mind where I actually want to go back and watch them all. And I absolutely love the War Games matches. I love the variations of War Games matches, like the lethal lockdowns in TNA. And uh, I've even went back and watched bits and pieces of the whatever they call the the War Chamber or whatever in MLW. So I've never seen that. I, I've seen bits and pieces. I don't think I've watched a full match of it, but it's uh, it, I mean, it's not bad. Uh, I just I love War Games. I love NXT's War Games. Obviously, you and I were there for the last War Games they had. And I'm looking forward to uh, Blood and Guts and the match beyond whenever they decide to do that in AEW. So I don't... Yeah. <laughs> whenever that happens that to be... so stupid to me, I'm sorry. What, Blood and Guts or the match yes. beyond? So oh. Blood and Guts so stupid. Uh, Blood and Guts is just going to be the name of the show itself, I think. Like one of those special episodes of Dynamite. Blood and Guts. But That's you know good. what it is. Promoted as ECW, so I don't have to watch it. I like that. Well, you know what it is, right, Greg? Why they named it that? Yeah, it's pathetic. It's more of them not being able to keep WWE out of their mouths, but that's another story for another time. Well, hey, they were responding to to an interview, so I mean, I don't know. I, but the thing the thing is, Blood and Guts was also said by Vince McMahon about, I think, basically every promotion that was not his in the past, like, 20 years or 30 years, I should say. So it's not like they're the first one to get that treatment. It's a good old Cody. <laughs> well, speaking of another company that wasn't that uh, is not owned by Vince McMahon, or I guess is now, because it's on the WWE Network, which I'm very thankful for because I get to go back and watch it. It's Fall Brawl. We're talking about the event from 1995. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. And for this bonus show, I think you and I should get into a little bit of the news and notes from the time in 1995. What do you say? Yeah, there's some good stuff here. Yeah, there is, because this was the beginning of the Monday Night Wars. And now that we're on to the news and notes, we can start talking about that. It's really big news coming out of the first head-to-head meeting of Raw and Nitro. And that's that WCW immediately took the lead in the ratings war with a 2.5 to 2.2 victory. The taped episode of Raw wasn't particularly different than any other one they've done lately, although the ending was weird because the show clips off the next two weeks of events, uh, thus exposing that, or they showed clips, rather, of the next two weeks of events, thus exposing that they're taped and not live. Going head-to-head, Eric Bischoff gave away the fact that Raw was taped two weeks ago by saying that Sean beat, quote, the big guy with a super kick that wouldn't get him a green belt. I uh, I was listening to a Bischoff podcast. I forget which one it was, but like he flat out admitted that Hulk Hogan hated it when he gave away the results. Yeah, well, Hulk Hogan's old school, brother. I, oh, I, I don't like, think there's anything wrong with that. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was 
it was dirty pool, but I mean, if Bischoff asked people in the W or brought it up to people in WWE, he was like, you know, you guys would have done the same thing. They're like, mm, probably. <laughs> so I, 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 at the time though, as a fan, I didn't want to know this. I don't want to be watching I'm Nitro be, and I'm be really, I would be really honest until uh, the Mick Foley incident. I didn't, I never even heard him give him away. I mean, I watched it. Yeah. Maybe I heard it, but I didn't realize it. So yeah, it it's really like, don't pay me. attention. Yeah, no offense to Eric Bischoff, but it's kind of like he's one of those like like after after a while with Michael Cole, unless he says something outrageously stupid, I just kind of tune him out and I don't really hear him much of the show, you know. Oh, like and <laughs> with Eric Bischoff, it was kind of the same thing. I, unless he said something like ridiculous, I didn't really pay too much attention to him. I like this where it says Jimmy Hart told the story around this time about running into Ted Turner in an elevator in Turner Tower there, and Ted proudly told him, "We really kicked Vince's ass," <laughs> just like that. Yep. Gotta get my Ted Turner impression in there, my billionaire Ted. Well, we're I bought myself a wrestling company, Vince. Uh, gotta, gotta get them all in there. Giggity. As for Hogan versus Luger, Uncle Dave Meltzer was snarky and said that it was shocking how not over Luger was after all the stuff that went down and the hype behind his debut. He said that Luger was clumsy and overweight and took the leg drop in only five minutes before all the heels ran in and got destroyed by Hogan and Sting. Meanwhile, Luger helplessly does nothing. Uh, because he had to lay there selling the leg drop. Uncle Dave said, quote, makes me really want to see war games really bad. Lex Luger was out of shape, is what he said? He said he was overweight. I'm like, at well, that's what out of point? Shape, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Um, when? Yeah, it's like, when? And I know we always talk about, well, Uncle Dave is in good shape, but he's not in Lex Luger shape. Uh, well, I, mean, well, I got to, you know, I hate saying this, but he's in amazing shape. But um, what's his bar, man, for, for this? I don't know. I go back uh, to Pete, the whole Iconics thing when he said yeah. they were... Peyton Royce was overweight, and it's like, wait, where? At what part of her body is she overweight? I mean, you know, I mean, there's the obvious joke after she had the uh, <clears throat> cosmetic surgery, but that's but he's talking about, like, her stomach. Like, wait, what? And then Luger. Who the hell, besides him, ever accused Dave, or uh, ever accused um, Lex Luger of being overweight? Well, sorry, certainly not Bishop. He would have called that out, I believe. Yeah, that's, like, what the hell? Like he, like he's Braden Walker, like or Chris Harris, you know, got signed to WWE. All of a sudden, he shows up fat in a singlet. Like that didn't happen with Luger. We just got a Braden Walker. <laughs> My question to you about that, Greg: Why would we not get a Braden Walker reference? I, I, I simply meant it took a long time to finally get one. That's what I meant. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we've been building up to it for all these months, Greg, and finally, boom! There it is. Well, anyway, just move on, please. I want to slap you now. Oh, come on. I anyway. love Chris Harris. Braden Walker was stupid. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, I was a huge Chris Chris Harris mark. Oh, you and I were just... Well, I mean, you and I were just marked for TNA during that time period anyway. Yeah, so coming up, we're going to get into that finally, like in a couple shows from now. Yes. I'm excited I'm, to go back and... I'm really, stoked about that. Yeah, that was one of the peaks of my fandom was during that time, because I was just like, TNA reignited. Like, WWE was pretty good, uh, and WWE was great there for a while, and TNA was really stoking my interest in outside wwe wrestling as well so yeah, I, I also you know it's just like it's weird to me because aw is so damn hot but like it's yeah. telling to me that tna still pulled in higher ratings than them in their heyday and i think that yeah i think the problem is not to get off topic but i think the problem is like people tune out of tna like oh or impact whatever like oh it's not that great anymore so nothing's gonna be like wwe and i think aw may be suffering from that that's a theory i have I think that some of it, I, I also think, I mean, if you look at ratings across the board, people like, you know, Jim Cornette and others try to, oh, well, wrestling's not as popular as it used to be. And it's like, that's not it at all. What it is, is people aren't watching TV in the traditional ways anymore. That too. And and 
Bischoff also said in one of his podcasts that the ratings mean jack, the numbers mean jack, because they're so different than what you see. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, that's when I stopped caring. I mean, not that I ever really cared, but now I'm like, I don't care what they pull in. Well, I don't buy that less than a million people are watching Dynamite. I don't buy that less than two million people are watching Raw. I don't buy it, so. And I never yeah, will. No. But no one will ever convince me otherwise, because there's no way in hell. Yeah, so, I mean, I watched, I mean, for, for instance, I've watched Raw there for the longest time because I was on the road a lot, and I didn't have a way to watch it mobile uh, other than I, and I know I might get some flack for this, but uh, I used to watch it every week on Daily Motion. Because oh, that was motion's legal, so I think you mean yeah. black for something legal. Yeah, and their motion sucks, but it's legal. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, if I ever didn't really have a lot of time, and it's like, well, I want to watch the show, but I don't have three freaking hours, I'd watch, you know, YouTube where they condensed it to like forty minutes. So you know, just so it's like, okay, I watch the show, you know, I, I know what happened, I can watch the pay per view this Sunday, you know, or whatever. So I mean, there's there's a ton of reasons where it's like people are consuming the product, and merchandise numbers don't lie. Merchandise numbers are very high. Yeah, right. So. And like again, I go back to being on TNT. This is not a show on like a buried cable access or whatever the hell he said he was on back in the early nineties. It's not buried. You can't tell me that less yeah. than people are watching this. Yeah, it's not like on FS1 or Destination America or something yeah, right. where only not a lot of so, people get. I'm not, so I'm not buying the numbers anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we digress. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No lawsuit has been yet filed by the WWF, although official word from the WWF is that Lex Luger never actually told Vince that he was going to WCW, and Vince only found out when he watched Nitro. Uh, uh, Nitro has backed up a million times, so that's... <laughs> yeah. I, I like his exact re- recollection of the story is he was flying, so he didn't see it. And when he lands, because Raw was taped, and when he lands, he gets into his hotel room and he gets a call from Pat Patterson. He's like, you see what happened on Nitro? And he's like, no, I was flying. He was like, Lex Luger showed up. He's like, ah, F him. He's their problem now. <laughs> I like that. I love the I love the story of that, too. Like, he got he pretty much got lowballed because Bischoff was like, oh, he's never going to take it. And he took it. <laughs> yeah. He just wanted to get out of the WWF. Which One of my I mean, favorite stories is like, I'm going to offer him this. He's never going to take it. And then he calls his damn bluff. I just, yeah. That always made me laugh. I don't know why. Yep. <laughs> and from what I heard, and I think it was like you and I talked about this in the past, like off air, where it's like, I mean, he had his buddies in WCW, like Sting, you know, like, which was his best friend and everything. That's so all you need. I mean, he was the upper yeah. echelon. So. Yeah, right. So uh, in WWF, I don't think he really had anybody close. I mean, maybe Davy Boy, but that was about it. And he had his. And his, I love Davy Boy. Was that really a poll? Well, I think it's more not necessarily like. Is, you know, is your friend like one of the top guys? I think it's more of like he didn't have anybody to, you know, have camaraderie with, you know. So I think he was happier in WCW. And if you think about it, I mean, he came up in the NWA Jim Crockett promotion system. So it's probably what he's just used to. He's like, well, this is more like home to me. Whereas WWF, they tried the narcissist. They tried the, you know, the good red, white and blue All-American boy thing. Not not the Rougeaus, you know, the, the other one. No, th- those are the real All-American boys. <laughs> well, clearly the amazing French Canadians. I know that was, you know, PCO, but regardless. That's um, a mouthful, by the way, the amazing French Canadian. <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a tag name, man. <laughs> but yeah, so I think Luger was more comfortable in, in WCW, and he just wanted to get back. Uh, Kevin Sullivan debuted a new Dungeon of Doom member on the September 7th tapings, who is called The Man of Question, billed from The Isle of Nowhere. It's apparently Bill Mott, or he would later be known as Hugh Morris, who was originally... The Island of Nowhere. I believe it's where the Dungeon of Doom is from. Yeah, well, that's definitely where they went. <laughs> but he was originally... I, I, going... You're insinuating that they were somewhere. Well, yeah. but I want to slap you. He was originally going to be called The Man With No Name before... And this is Dave Meltzer's writing, so uh, get ready to laugh. 
He was originally going to be called the man with no name before WCW ruined the idea by giving it to Ed Leslie for about two weeks. <laughs> they ruined it, Greg. God, love- now Hugh Morris will never get over. Okay, first of all, you can't ruin crap. I mean, literally, you cannot ruin crap. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> Second, I just love that they give it to a guy who's going to change his name to the Zodiac right after. Yeah, which we'll get into on the show, but... Oh, thank God. God. I mean that. Thank you, God, for this. Yeah, the Zodiac who made a cameo in Mr. Nanny. So that was the thing. And it's like a split second at the beginning. Like, Hulk Hogan's character is, like, fishing on a dock. He falls asleep in his chair, and you can see his dreams. And in his dreams, he's wrestling. And one of the guys he's wrestling is the Zodiac. All I heard was he dreams, and Brutus the effing Barber Beefcake is in his dream. That's what I just heard. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean... I don't see where it's bad, but whatever. I'm just talking on my butt now. I don't know what's yeah, going Brut- on. Brutus the F and Barber is frequently in a lot of people's dreams, okay? He's like Dizzy Hogan, man. I believe he's in Conrad Thompson's death dreams, I, I believe. <laughs> Where he's like, what's he doing here? No, why? Anyway, Vader and Steve Austin were both let go from WCW around this time. I, I don't know if... I don't know about you, but it shocks me about which one of these went on to be a megastar yeah. and which one kind of flopped. I, what what's funny about that whole thing with Austin is WCW literally gave WWE the gun that killed him. It was not loaded yet. Yeah, it was not loaded yet, but they put the bullets in and pulled the trigger. That just makes me yeah. laugh so hard every time I think about it. Yeah, and they didn't yet give the gun to Brian Pillman. That would come right. later. <laughs> was that that was ninety seven? Uh, yeah, ninety Yes, ninety seven. Okay. Wait, was it ninety seven? Yeah, definitely ninety seven. We- ninety six. You had the few. With- 96, he was nothing in the middle of it, and then he feud with Bret Hart at the end, so it had to be 97. You and I are going to have to review Pillman's Got a Gun, that episode. Like, we have to. I, yeah. Future, future episode, man. Why the hell not? Yep. It's, it's um, in the bag now. About the Vader thing, though, mm-hmm. to stay on that for a second, I just, he's even in the build-up package on this show. They call, they said he went MIA. Did you catch that in the build-up package? Yep. Oh, yeah, I've got yeah. notes about it. Yep. Yeah. I, I, okay, okay, we'll probably get into it, but I just... Oh, yeah. I I actually, like, I'm not going to say salivate, but like, oh, man, I really would have loved to see that team instead of Luger, but Vader with Hogan and and uh, Savage and Sting. I will say a, the, the the Luger team built up for some good stuff in the future. No, it did. So, I'm just looking at what could have been. Right. Like, Vader is a baby uh, well, by the way. It's going to be weird, but I was... Right. I, I bought right in when I was a kid, man. I was excited to see it, and then... That happened. Of course, I'm not like hip to what's going on when I'm like, how old was I? 11? So I'm like, what the hell's going on? You know? And then all of a sudden he's oh, at the Royal yeah. Rumble a couple months later. And he's squashing Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah. That's a prelude to what we're going to be getting into in a couple of weeks with Austin McMahon. I mean, think about it. He's the first guy to attack someone on air, I believe, or a, a person of, of authority. Like, yeah, a fake authority figure. I, yeah. I believe he was the first. No, it's, it's, if, if it's not the, I think it is the first because it's before Bischoff, it's before McMahon, and those are the only ones I can think of that really. Yeah, like, I don't think like anyone else, only like Gagne or. Cowboy uh, Bill or any of those guys. I think. Yeah. I mean, Cowboy Bill had some had some physicality, but I, I don't think it was of the yeah, same level. Yeah, but everyone knew he was like a wrestler, and he kind of right got to do it himself. Like, yeah, yeah, this was a little different. I feel uh, like you talk- probably had any physicality since the late seventies, maybe early eighties. So yeah, it was a while. Well, you want to <laughs> talk about handing WWF? I mean, WCW didn't do this, but they kind of did by not signing him. You want to talk about a, handing the WWF a gun to kill you with, man? The WWF this month has signed Tony Norris. <laughs> to those of you that don't know who this is Ahmed Johnson Big T Yes, who who we just talked about uh, Cowboy Bill Watts, he wanted to call him Buck Johnson, according to Jim Ross 
See, I don't believe any of that because I don't think you know Bill wanted to sign another black wrestler. But oh my gosh, no, am he, I wrong? Well, no, he's he. According to Jim, he was always trying to relive the heyday of when uh, Junkyard Dog was like treated like a god in his territory. So he was always looking for another black guy to replace him with. And Jim was like, you know, it doesn't have to be a black guy. I mean, cool if it is, but if it's not, it can just be a good wrestler. But nope. If you uh, if anybody goes back and li- and watches like old uh, what was it Mid South or whatever and UWF and all that stuff. He was always just bringing in like a big black guy to be the next big black star. I think that brings up the uh, the Dusty Rhodes story where he's like, "Well, I need another top black baby face," and Dusty Rhodes allegedly said, "I'll be a top black baby face, baby." <laughs> I mean, Uh-oh. Dusty appealed to various demographics. So ah, here you go, man. Jesse Ventura's lawsuit against the WWF for unpaid royalties made it through the U.S. Court of Appeals, and the WWF has lost the case once and for all. Ventura was awarded $809,000 because Titan lied about wrestlers not receiving royalties for tapes without their names on them. With interest and legal fees, Titan will be on the hook for about $1.2 million when when it's all said and done, which I realize is dropping the bucket to Vince McMahon. But, you know, did you pay attention to any of this when it happened? I know you were young. You said you were, what, 11? Not even got got a hint of it. Nope. (laughs) Did, Did you hear about it, like, later on? Yeah, when I started like looking at stuff in the past, but yeah, honestly, I mean, he's such an idiot. I just everyone said that he's always for himself. Like whatever yeah. was best for Jesse is what they did. So I don't give a damn about him, honestly. Well, we covered it, and if you, if everybody goes back, listens to um, I was he, it was Heat Wave nineteen ninety nine. We covered. We talked about kind of the build up to SummerSlam nineteen ninety nine in in the uh, the news and the notes section, and Uncle Dave has some fun picking at Jesse about. Well, he said all these things about titan and wwf in the past but now that he's got a working relationship with him all of a sudden it's oh well i didn't mean that i what i really meant you was, took it out of context yeah was, ah, look i i love vince mcmahon now that he's paying me a lot of money <laughs> well you know in his defense i would love someone who's paying me a lot of money too no matter what they did to me so yeah well, within reason but yeah I, I agree here you go man in memphis bill dundee got pulled from shows after wolfie d said that he wanted a cut of the pg-13 merchandise and dundee pulled a knife on him yeah, that, that was probably a huge cut, too. Like, what, 14, 15 bucks? Right. I mean, well, you might be, I mean, don't don't get crazy here. I mean, it's probably like five. <laughs> well, you got to account for drunk purchases. I'm wondering you if... You have to be drunk to watch PG-13, by the way. So. Gosh. Well, I'm wondering if, if Wolfie D, like, if it was like... Because if you don't know, Bill Dundee is, is Australian. So maybe it's like a lack of, you know, something lost in translation there where Wolfie D said he wanted a cut. So Bill Dundee pulled out his knife. No. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> And what would have been funny to the stories oh if he? <laughs> what would have been even funnier about the story is if he pulled out out that knife on Wolfie D, and Wolfie goes, "That's not a knife. This is a knife." Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons when they went to <laughs> to Australia? No. Well, the Australian guy pulls out the thing, goes, "That's a knife," and Bart says, "That's not a knife. That's a spoon." I'm gonna leave that alone, though. I don't know. Why. Not, I don't want to go any further in that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm sorry if we have any Australian listeners. Uh, I'm not knocking them. Simply saying how they've been portrayed on American TV. Yeah. Also, man, you want to talk about some Memphis news? Techno Team 2000 returned to Memphis this week, pretending that the WWF. Yes. And to make it better, they're pretending their WWF stint never happened. Uh, We all are. So. (laughs) Of all, I mean, not that, not that it's great, but if if they're still going with the name and the gimmick, why would they be like, no, we were never on a 
nationwide platform on the WWF. No, we've always been here in Memphis. Like, talk, what? Talk about the best time to bury WWE and say they ruined us, and then they don't. <laughs> as much crap as I talk about it, uh, like that, this would have been a perfect opportunity, and they didn't. Yep. Just what the hell? I, I mean, we talked about it on a previous episode with uh, the fake Razor Ramon showing up, and he was like, you know, he threw out the outfit. And he was like, no, I'm Rick Titan now. I'm not, you know, fake Razor Ramon. It's like, at least they tried. But gosh, this was, you're still going with Techno Team 2000? Like, do you think that can get over in Memphis more than it can? <laughs> you know what? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. I, I just, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say, I just want to say it's Eric Watts. So what do you expect? Uh, no, no, Greg, it's Troy. Real name. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you're proud of that. Um. <laughs> yeah, Eric and Watts. And he was a legend in his own brain because of his idiot father. To be well, to be I quite, don't want to sound like one of those fanboys, but seriously, like from everything I've heard, his father built him up, made him think he was amazing. That's what Bischoff said. To be fair, Bischoff was saying that he was a super nice guy and he, I have it no wasn't doubt. his fault. No, I have like, no doubt. I just yeah. everybody like nobody on the planet blames Eric. They always go, they're like, Bill pushed him too hard. Poor Eric. <laughs> and from all accounts, he wasn't bad. He well, was just matches. never I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yeah. say he's bad. I mean, yeah, I just would I go out of my way to watch an Eric Watts match? No, but that doesn't mean he's bad. No, but, no, but you'd go out of your way to watch a Techno Team 2000 match. Well, yeah, there's only like four of them, man. You got to search. Yeah. Um, I will In say, your house, too. They're some of the Lumberjacks. Their only pay-per-view appearance. Go check it out. Hell yeah. Well, you know, Eric Watts is the innovator of the STF, man. Uh, STF, you shut up. Well, hey, he gave uh, Arn Anderson an STF in a gas station parking lot, man. It doesn't get much more badass than that. I don't think you understood. When I said STFU, I was speaking to you. Move on. Uh, no, I understood. Uh, <laughs> last story. Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis both debuted in ECW against one another on the September 16th show. Also, they've added a, some new Dudleys to the family, including a fat guy named Chubby Dudley. This was the other fat guy, not Bubba Ray. And That wasn't Joel Gertner, was it? No. No, he was Studley Dudley. And, I just figured he might change his name over time. Nah, uh, this was a different fat guy. This this was the other other fat guy, Greg. <laughs> and they've also added they've also added a guy doing a Native American gimmick called Dances with Dudley. Now that one I've seen the clips of on the <sighs> documentary. Yeah, yeah, that would man, that's not offensive at all. Tell me, he came out wearing a Washington Redskins jersey. Uh, I think he wore tie dye like the rest of them, but that would have been great. I I might have popped for that one. Yeah, the Rey Mysterio and Psychosis match was actually, like, really good. It's one of the better matches to ever come out of, e of uh, ECW. Obviously, they did <sighs> other work in WCW, but... How low know. is that bar, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, That's like saying, hey, man, my dog took a good crap today. <laughs> well, I mean, eh, something to be proud of. You know, shoot for the stars, Greg. Gosh. <laughs> Dang it, Greg. Damn anyway. It, Move on. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.
Now, back to our program. I guess it's time for us to get into the actual show here at hand, man. It is WCW Fall Brawl 1995 War Games. The tagline was, let the games begin. It took place September 17th, 1995 from the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina. They had a sellout of 6,600 people, which is kind of sad. But uh, That was one of my first things I was going to say. Well, go ahead. I'll catch you off. Well, the buy rate was 0.48, which is actually pretty low, and it was trending down, which Meltzer pointed out might not be a good sign considering Hulk Hogan was on the show. And if anybody goes back and watches, he was not on every pay-per-view during this era. And also watch this show. I think he's only on it for about 10 minutes, give or take. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he's like, what, right at the end? And that's it. Yep. On the um, the attendance thing, though, I want to say the first thing they do when they pan over is you can see that it's a really small arena. Yeah. Like Sometimes it can be deceiving of how like it looks big, but it's really small. This one, I didn't get uh, that deception at all. It just like a dollar for every time. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry, just, anyway. You could just tell. Right? <laughs> you could just tell, though. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah. This, it, yeah, it was. A, I think the yeah, problem. I think my, my immediate thought of why it looked like you know, it looked small as it was is because that. Excuse me. I don't know why I'm stuttering here. The <laughs> seats didn't go up very high. Like there were no like no nosebleeds. I feel like they were all pretty low. Like, yeah. It was about. That was really low. So that kind of gives away how small it is when they don't do that. Because if you look at like old shows from the Cow Palace, it looks pretty large. But I can tell you personally, it's small as hell. But like when they pull back, it looks huge. Uh, yeah, this this was like a TV uh, arena. I would never have put a pay-per-view in here, especially with Hulk Hogan. And they sold out. But if you remember, I mean, the actual well, I mean, Civic first Center. Of all, I mean, Ric Flair is on the card and it's in, Carol- in the Carolinas. So no matter what. Yeah, it's going to sell out. Obviously, I'm- Hulk Hogan. But like fly in the Carolinas, come on. Yeah, oh, of course. Also, yeah, a marquee I, match, I might add. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not, to anybody out there, I'm not trying to discount Ric Flair being on the card. I, I'm i really not. But this was supposed to be, you know, Hogan was still relatively hot at this time as a babyface. We're about one year away from a, a little more than ten one months. year or less. Yeah, 10 months-ish uh, away from him turning heel. He came out of a black and white box and he's a heel. It's over. No. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but yeah, so Red we're about became black and white. They get it right. Oh gosh, oh excuse me, but so he was still. I mean, I don't think. I mean, the crowd wasn't like hot and heavy for him in the height of Hulkamania, but he was still. He still had some steam. He wasn't like, oh, who cares about Hulk Hogan? Gosh, it's nineteen ninety four, ninety five. Excuse me. Like, I mean, he still had some steam. It was getting around this time where I think Bischoff was like, all right. um, the wheels might start to fall off here soon. You might want to think about, you know, turning heel. And Hogan pulled that line of, brother, uh, you you wouldn't understand unless you walked a mile in my red and yellow boots. And then he kicked him out of his house. Wow. <laughs> ah, Bisch- Bischoff shared that story, and he's never lied on Hogan before. So I assume that's that's uh, how it went. He said he stroked his Fu Manchu, dropped that line on him, and then politely kicked him out of his house. Doesn't work so, for me, brother. Turning heel, making tons of money, doesn't work for me, brother. But, uh, yeah, so the beginning of the show, something that didn't work for me, the show opens with footage of Hulk Hogan pulling up to some child actors on his motorcycle, getting <laughs> off, getting off. <laughs> he gets off to sign some autographs and hang out with them and such, and all of a sudden, the giant used a monster truck to run over Hulk Hogan's motorcycle. So, and then Hogan, like, beats on the side of the, the monster truck, like, how dare you, and whatever. There are many things why this is goofy and stupid and blah, 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 but seriously, like, the giant did all that with children nearby 
So to me, that makes him even more of a heel because he almost like he could have killed them kids. But this is also a prelude to an amazing moment that's coming up the next month. Oh, yeah. Uh, That. (laughs) But this this was, uh, yeah, the giant was in full on FTK mode. F them kids. But after all this, Bobby Heenan tells him, uh, tells everybody that the giant says that he's really sorry. He's sorry that Hogan wasn't on that bike when he ran it over. (sighs) This was this was stupid. And it starts to show off on a bad note. It does get better. I swear to God, it gets better. But that's just like. When that opened the show, I immediately put my head in my hands and went, do I have to watch the rest of this? But thank God this next match happened, and you'll laugh about, you know, when, because I say that with one of the guys who's in it. It's Flying Brian versus Johnny D. Bad. The winner gets a shot at the WCW U.S. Heavyweight title. The match went just shy of a half an hour, which I know what you're thinking, because it's the same thing I was thinking. Johnny D. Bad is in a match that goes just shy of half an hour to open the show. I'm done. But... It was really good. I, I liked it. I, I might go you one better and say it was fantastic. Yes. Uh, let's, I, I, I loved it. I just loved everything about it. Yeah. Uh, getting into the match here, Johnny is just absolutely full of gimmicks. Throwing frisbees into the crowd. He's carrying his bad blaster, which is like a confetti gun. A young kid is holding a sign that says, Bobby the Brain Heenan for president. And Heenan says, that's Mayor of Asheville right there. <laughs> I love Heenan. Brian Pillman is working heel throughout this match, even though he's technically a face or maybe he's a tweener. I don't know, but he's working heel. Johnny gets busted open. The time expires and then they go to sudden death, which isn't every match sudden death. Every I one mean, ball match. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> they just restarted the match. But to describe their brawling at one point, Tony Schiavone used the word Donnybrook and not in a sarcastic way. I yeah. guess that's that's that Virginia learning for him, I guess. <laughs> Uh, we lost Virginia learning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fine, uh, the finish is crisscross off the ropes into a double cross body, but Johnny lays on Brian for the win. I said, great opening match, hardly any blown spots whatsoever, and the crowd was literally on their feet. Uncle Dave gave this four stars. I gave it three and a half, but I'm leaning into four. What say you? I'm with Uncle Dave. Actually, I said four stars. I thought it was damn close to perfect. I, I. I I don't know. I just I feel like it might have went a little too long. Like that was my yeah. only gripe. I mean, it was a great match. Don't get me wrong, but it's like thirty minutes almost. It's a little yeah. excessive. But man, I was into it though. I was never bored. Yeah, no, so, I was. Never, that's my thing. If it goes almost thirty minutes and I'm like, man, uh, clock's ticking, buddy. Like then I'm, you know, or if I get distracted or something, then I'll be like, man, maybe they, uh, you know, overstayed their welcome. Even if it was a good match. But this, I didn't get bored. And Johnny B. Bad, Mark Barrow, whatever you want to call him, gets a lot of grief. I know Conrad says he absolutely hates him, Conrad Thompson. Like, not as a person, but just like he never got into the gimmick, thought he was dumb. And sure, there's an argument to be made for the gimmick being dumb. But man, like, going back and watching his, he did a lot of opening pay-per-view matches in 95. And I think every single one of them were good to great, no matter who yeah, he was in the ring I, with. Yeah, so, were, yeah. yeah. He was very underrated, I thought. Yeah. I mean, you could see, I mean, eh, allegedly Vince wanted him for the gimmick, not necessarily because of what he could do in the ring, which I, I buy. Does that gimmick? He's a little Richard, pal. <laughs> that gimmick seems right up Vince McMahon's alley. But at the same time, like he was he was a great worker, man. I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I'll say that. And uh, well, Brock Lesnar gets all his credit. Oh, my gosh. I loved saying he was like, oh, I heard that uh, Reno was sleeping around with somebody and I was going to go confront him. And then I found out it was Brock Lesnar. And I'm like, you know what? It's cool, man. <laughs> I, I was done with her anyways. Yeah. It's like, Oh, uh, go, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll be over here crying. 
when, and, and that's a former Golden Gloves boxer, by the way. So when he's intimidated by somebody, you're a bad man. After the match, Mean Gene Oakland is interviewing Ric Flair in the back. Flair puts over his longtime friendship with Arn Anderson and the fact that they're in horseman country, because you always got to get that over. They're in horseman country, like, at least 75% of their calendar year for WCW. So so anything from Maine down to Florida, right? Uh, pretty close, yeah. But we go from the penthouse to the outhouse here. It's Cobra versus <laughs> Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman. If we had one positive about this match is that it only went a minute 22 seconds from the time from bell to bell. Uncle Dave sums up Cobra's gimmick by saying this, quote, he was a member of the CIA who left Pittman stranded in either the desert or a jungle in either Vietnam or Desert Storm or maybe Korea or maybe even in the Civil War, end quote. <sighs> my, my thought was Desert Storm because of how old they are. So, yeah, you would think that, Greg. However, in various promos, they made they said stuff about the jungle and different stuff like that. And we all know that Iraq and Iran, you know, they're very well known for their jungles. <laughs> so apparently they just in various promos, they could never keep the details of this feud straight. So not that this was ever going to be anything, but uh, I don't know. And if here's my thing, if Cobra, first of all, his name is Cobra. That just leads me to believe, oh, he's the bad guy. Right. Right. Well, and the fact that supposedly he left his buddy, uh, Craig Pittman, in the jungle so, or the desert or wherever the hell. He left him behind. So that also leads me to believe he's a heel. But he's the baby face. Yeah. What am I missing every, here? Every good guy leaves their friend behind. What are you not understanding? We all know that old Marine adage of always leave a good Marine behind. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Holy crap. But yeah, so that was that just this whole thing confused me. Uh, Cobra's uh, entrance me, theme. I'll go for real go quick, ahead. Yeah, I just want to point this out. Some people are gonna. Do you know who Cobra was? Ah, uh, you're as soon as you tell me, I'm gonna remember. But who was he, it? Cobra is the fake Sting that you'll see in about a year. Ah, yes. I can't remember his real name. Uh, um, far, Fred far, something Farmer. Jeff Farmer. Jeff Farmer. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And to I, I don't know if he's still doing it to this day, but. Up until his retirement, he wore that fake Sting gimmick out in Japan, making lots of money. He still makes appearances doing it. Mother of God. I'm pretty sure. The, N the NWO Sting in Japan, still a thing. <sighs> anyway, Cobra's because why theme, not? <laughs> Cobra's entrance theme is literally Morse code. It's uh, I kind of like that touch, I'm not going to lie. It was weird, but yeah. And here's another reason to let you know he's a babyface. He gives his some kid his dog tags and then salutes him so yeah. yeah i i frequently remember the heels giving their entrance gear away to a lucky fan in the front row <laughs> but some random quote marine comes to the ring for Pittman and distracts cobra while Pittman descends from the ceiling and camo and war paint sneaking into the ring to choke cobra with his belt this match is so meaningless the announcers are plugging nitro during it with heenan <laughs> Uh, with Heenan saying that the announcers for Nitro are, quote, Eric Bischoff and Steve McNuggets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I caught that. I got to say, though, I don't know. I'm, I could be alone here. I love the entrance and that he appeared behind him and choked him out with that, that belt of bullets. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. The, uh, I, I love that, actually. I thought it was a really nice touch. That's one of the notes I had. Uh, let me get into the end of the match here. Pittman I thought we were already through the match. It was one minute long. <laughs> Pittman locks in. We talked about this match longer than it was, including the entrances. But Pittman locks in the code red for the submission victory. Short, boring, no one gave a damn. On the positive note, it was quite an original way to start a match. 
Uncle Dave gave this a dud. I gave it a half a star. I gave it one because I don't like rating matches zero, and I also gave a tiny bit of credit for that entrance. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was an original. I I mean, one can argue it maybe a tiny bit overkill, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know if it's overkill. It, it kind of, was... I can see that, but then I'm like, I don't think so when the whole thing was built around him being a Marine, so why would he not try to sneak in and kill the enemy? But And and it was built on, you left me for dead. Yeah, exactly. In a war zone. So, uh, I guess, I mean, if, if it was built better i think it would have made more sense i think it would have been a little better but yeah the entrance was cool what was not cool greg was so we go from that to i don't want to say worse but at least just as bad we cut to a video of paul orndorff in his locker room oh man <laughs> he's questioning whether or not he's even mr wonderful anymore all of a sudden a guy with a white chia pet on his head walks in and orndorff says i i'm quoting it word for word and i'm gonna say it just the way he said it yeah can you please like yeah say, say it the way he said it emphasis yep. come on do this here, here we go he, he came, the guy came in and and orndorff looks at him and goes gary spivey of the psychic companions network what are you doing here <laughs> like what hey all i could think of was oh my gosh it's tv's adam west <laughs> only worse because it's like you literally had to say where this guy was from because nobody knows who he is. I, he, bro, did you look who he is? Because I forgot. Is no, he a real? I'm just trying to figure out if he's a real thing or he's a wrestler playing he, this. No, he he's a he's a real thing. I did I did look him up in the past because I was like, is, is this guy for real or is did they come up with this thing? No, that's real, and he claims that is his real hair, which I am not buying. Nope, not buying it. <laughs> But after the after I wrote down what, the, what he said, I said, because, you know, people actually talk that way. Gary claims that he had a vision and had to come see Paul. OK, so you had you randomly had a vision of Paul Orndorff. You found out where his locker room was and somehow managed to get inside. And then Paul's first reaction wasn't, who the hell are you? Get the hell out of here. Like, what? I yeah. just none of this makes sense. What am I smoking? What are they smoking? Who are you? What is life? <laughs> when it goes on Orndorff claims that he used to be quote the highest rated wrestler in the entire world by whom I, I... and he said he was he the had... guy that works with Hulk Hogan is what he was well and he said he quote had so many belts I couldn't carry them all like did he mean I actual I don't remember belts? him ever having a title yeah like I, I think he meant actual belts and that he has a shopping problem but I oh, I could I could be wrong more sense <laughs> yeah. Gary told Orndorf to look in the mirror and Paul says and he says, what do you see? And he says, I see Mr. Wonderful. And then Paul starts kissing his own arms and repeatedly saying, I am Mr. Wonderful. And then Gary, Gary Spivey, like creepily slinks away through the door while Paul continues to kiss his reflection in the mirror because he needs some alone time. Oh, good. <sighs> <laughs> well, am I wrong here? No. <laughs> well, after all that, Greg, we need <laughs> We need a palate cleanser of crap, crap to slightly less crappy, but still really bad crap. We have the Renegade, hold for applause, with Jimmy Hart. He's defending the WCW World Television title against Diamond Dallas Page. He's got the Diamond Doll and Max Muscle in his corner. The Diamond Doll, singular at this time, was Kimberly Page, but they didn't call her that. Uh, this match went for 8 minutes, 7 seconds. Yikes. Renegade actually gets cheered for his entrance, which I, I'm pretty shot. sure some people thought he was the ultimate warrior. They really figured. Oh. Kind of like, well, if you, if anybody goes back and listens to our bonus show from August, 
it, we cover SummerSlam 1988, and Uncle Dave points out the fact that uh, Powers of Pain stopped getting cheered when the WWF audience realized they're not the Road Warriors. <laughs> Which, at first you could be like, oh, come on, Dave. But then the Powers of Pain come out, and they're literally wearing Road Warriors cosplay. So, I get it. Anyway, to this... <laughs> Renegade standing face to face with DDP. Did you notice something a little odd about this uh, matchup? Uh, maybe. I, well, I might when you remind me. <laughs> well, the Renegade is supposed to be basically Ultimate Warrior cosplay. He's a big jacked up dude. DDP is looking down on him, <laughs> and he's DDP is actually bigger than the Renegade. Oh, that I thought you meant like figuratively. No, no <laughs> like, I'm pretty like sure it was. What are you pointing out? The obvious four, but what? No, he's I, he's physically larger than I the did Renegade. Not catch that actually. <laughs> yeah, I. It made me pop a little bit. Renegade hits a handspring back elbow in the corner to DDP at one point. That actually, I was like, whoa, a move. Max Muscle gets up on the apron, and Jimmy Hart distracts him by smacking his calf. And then DDP gets thrown into him. Renegade then dives out on top of him, goes to get in the ring, but Max holds his boot, and DDP hits the diamond cutter for the win. Diamond Doll is visibly upset. While this was not a good match, DDP was able to get a presentable match out of the Renegade, I'd say, more than anybody else. And Uncle Dave said that Paige made this watchable by doing a, quote, Terry Funk versus a broom match. Yeah. <laughs> he gave it uh, two stars. I gave it one and a half. What say you? I gave it two only because I like DDP. I thought he did pretty good. Um, also, I got to correct you on one thing. Max Muscle didn't trip him. Okay. His foot got caught in Max Muscle's arm. He didn't, what? He didn't clearly said that. Oh, my gosh. He didn't Shut trip up. Him. Renegade caught his, his leg in Max Muscle's arm. I don't understand yeah, that you don't get yeah, that klutz. Gosh, watch where you're going, Renegade. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, he just, oh, man, I miss him. Yeah, I do, too. I got him a tell figure of him, finally. Yeah, I just got the one with the uh, weasel suit. Yeah, that's the one I got. I picked it up in Target. I was like, I was like, whoa, what? That was the only thing worth buying in the Target toy section. Uh, but something not worth buying, Greg, is up next. We've got Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater with Colonel Robert Parker in their corner. They're defending the WCW World Tag Team Championships against the Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry in their corner. This match went for 16 minutes, 49 seconds. Mother of God, almost 17 minutes of Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. Dirty and, Dick Slater. Yeah. You can say that because it's within the... Uh, <laughs> it's within context. So. It is. And uh, it's the F and Ray. <laughs> Har Harlem Heat has been on or seen on every single pay-per-view in the year 1995 at this point. And I, I don't remember if they finish out the year being on every single pay-per-view, but I think they do. Parker is paying more attention to Sherry than the match at hand. Both teams cheat against each other. And I forgot, uh, it, at one, there's two rings here for the War Games match, so they're using both rings for various things. In one ring, the four men are wrestling, and in the other ring, Sherry and Parker start making out. The ref gets distracted. The Nasty Boys run in and nail Dick Slater with his own boot, and Harlem Heat pick up the win. Parker doesn't care, though, continuing to make out with Sherry. I'd probably be right there with him. Parker's team gets mad at him. Harlem Heat gets mad at Sherry. They all leave angry. This match feels like it went on forever. Uncle, yep. Dave, Uncle Dave said it started slow and didn't get much better. He gave it negative one star. I gave it between one and a half to two stars. What say you? I gave it one. I was bored throughout it. <laughs> yeah, one of my notes I made, by the way, for the beginning... First of all, like in the middle of the match, they, they plug the, WB, the WCW hotline and they say, call it now. You'll, we'll hear about uh, a WCW competitor uh, defecting to a rebel organization. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's Vader. Uh, 
Um, yeah. Even though he or went Steve to Boston. the Royal Rumble. But, no, Steve Austin went to ECW after oh, this. I think it had to be Vader, unless they're counting ECW as a rival organization, which I don't think they were. Um, no. Here's my funniest part of this whole match, and it wasn't even it wasn't even the match. You know, it had nothing to do with the guys in it. I, I made a timestamp at one hour fifty one minutes. I think it's the I think it's the champions making their way in. The camera pulls out, the hard camera pulls out, and you can see a cameraman in front of the crowd in the front row. And they are the cameraman huh? in the front row is telling the fans to put their thumbs down and to boo. You can see him doing this. He's like oh he's, my putting gosh. His hand, he's putting his thumb down and, and I just I caught that in the corner of my eye. I had to rewind it twice and see it. And they really did that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my god, I, caught, I can't believe I caught that. I didn't know they ever did that live in person. Um, but they they have that like they do it now with the Thunderdome because I've heard people talk about that Kevin Dunn gives them stage directions now. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Yeah. I did. Throughout the entire year of 1995, I did not. It wasn't just this year, but any year they were a thing. I did not give even half of a crap about Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater as a team. I just could not care freaking less. I remember hating them because they were heels. I just they're heels. You can tell he's got the widow's peak. Makes him look evil. Mother effort. Jimmy Golden comes out in long underwear. Good grief. I, <laughs> he was just. I. I could not give a crap less and he made me think especially when you've got dick slater who like whatever dirty you know, dick like, can you please get it right no we can like, we can say that on the show and get away with it because it was in the context so please yeah, use it yeah but we've got we've got slater which was you know he was a i guess he did good things back in you know the territories and mid-south and whatever and he was kind of a big deal i, I remember from nwa days and i remember hating him so yeah so i mean he, that's fine whatever I just could not give a crap about Jimmy Golden, Bunkhouse Buck, whatever the hell you want to call him. But you're teaming this guy who looks like an old prospector, teaming him up with freaking Dick Slater, who looks like an old cowboy that you would see sitting on a bar stool. And then their manager looks like Colonel Sanders. And it makes me think old school Southern wrestling. Yeah. And supposedly, Bischoff <laughs> wanted to get away from old school Southern wrestling. And he's got this team. <laughs> Look, uh, we can edit this off if you want to, but do you remember what Colonel Rob Parker did with the Harlem Heat? Uh, yes, when he was managing them, he brought yes. them out on chains. Now here they are fighting him. Yep. This was. I uh, have to imagine that. Yeah, they probably want to throw some live rounds. I mean, I know it wasn't his idea, but still. <laughs> they. Uh, I mean, don't yeah. wrong, I'm not pointing what they did. It's just the context. No. Like, wow, you know, how Even, did they not beat the hell out of him for doing that? Well, even at the, how did they agree to do that? They must have really needed that job, man. Uh, because or they were promised something huge if they did it. So even then, like, and apparently Ole Anderson was booking at the time, and I say that because I remember them talking about it on the the roundtable on what was it, WWE twenty four seven. I think all those are on. Are all those on the network now? No, none of them are. That's a shame. Oh, I thought they were. Well, anyway, uh, Michael Hayes was talking about it. Even back then, when they did it, he said we all saw it on the monitors. We looked at each other with a shocked look. We were like, holy smoking dope. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so, yeah, that was. Uh, it's funny. Ooh. Had this been Kelly Bill Watts, this would be a whole different conversation. Yeah. Well, like, Ole yeah, oh, of, course, just, of, yeah, of course he did that. Yeah. Well, Ole's just stupid. I I don't think he's racist. He might be a little racist. I don't know. But he's just stupid. But we go to the back now. Mean Gene Okerlund is on. Well, not in the back. He's on the stage. He's interviewing Bunkhouse Buck, Dirty Dick Slater, and Colonel Robert Parker. Buck runs down Parker for losing his concentration. Parker says that he loves Sherry and that he'll get his team another title match before long. Uh, 
this was another gimmick that I didn't care for at all. After the comments put o- or commentators put over Halloween Havoc and the War Games is to the back with more mean Gene Okerlund. This time he's with Arn Anderson. Gene throws it to a video package showing the issues between Anderson and Flair, and then they cut back to uh, Anderson. He puts over his relationship with Flair really well, and I thought this was one of his better promos ever. Before we touch on that, uh, man, that video package was amazing. I thought it was yeah, it was great. So well done. I just I couldn't say it enough. And the promo he did was great too. Anderson is one of those forgotten great mic guys, and it's because he wasn't like real. And he was standing next to he was standing next to uh, a, I mean a bunch of great you know mic artists if you want to call them that, and freaking Ric Flair. Ric Flair was screaming, yelling, showing off his his Rolex watches, throwing shoes, elbow dropping inanimate objects. Whereas Anderson was more like serious and whatever. But man, you go back and watch some of his old promos. He was great. I, yeah, I mean, the problem is he was behind Flair and Tully. <laughs> right, yeah. And yeah. He, when, Tully when is, got, I watched AEW. Oh, we'll just yeah. Say, we'll just say the other night. Man, he's not the same. His promos are terrible, so. Oh, really? I think he's lost it, but. I think he's still, I mean, he's not what he once was, but I think he's still pretty decent, at least for, you know, as far as his role. I like what oh, he Oh, yeah, did. I like him in, in, like, the role, and when he talks to his guys, when he's cutting a promo on TV, it's bad. If yeah, that makes sense. I feel like he can speak and, like, coach his guys really well. I like that. Just he loses stay away his from things. thought. Yeah, I feel like that, too. Yeah. But he can still talk. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's garbage. It's just he's not what he used to be on, as a promo, but perfect right. as a manager or coach yeah. or, call him, or an advocate, yeah. whatever the hell I call him. I thought, yeah, I think he's a coach. Uh, he he did really well. I thought that with that, um, again, not to get off subject here, but yeah, I thought he did really well with that where they had uh, the rock and roll there with with uh, FTR and him and uh, him and uh, Arn standing there. I thought the promo he cut on Arn was pretty good. I think I was, he, I think I forgot about it all once the attack went down. Yeah. Cause I, cause a couple of weeks ago, sorry, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Well, he, he said something to Arn and, and then he like, he puts his finger in the, in the, nightmare family logo on on his like sweater vest and he's like i don't understand this right here and i've never understood this and it was just i was it was felt real obviously it wasn't but you know i mean if when you can feel real in a world of make-believe it's pretty good and i i i like feeling like it's still real to me damn it i don't know but (laughs) up next man is arn anderson versus rick flair this went for 22 minutes and 37 seconds the camera shows a bunch of wrestlers in the crowd coming out to see this match. WCW did this trope a lot, where when it was a like an important match, all the wrestlers came out into the crowd to watch, as if they don't have a monitor in the back. Well, this, I think, was worth was warranted. Yes, I mean, it, this definitely was. And also, if you look at who they had, other than, other than like, uh, I guess, Rob Parker and Big Bubba, they're all the young guys. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the American Males and Brian Pillman. I think uh, Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero, I, Alex Wright. Yeah, yeah there's... So, I mean, I thought that was pretty cool that it wasn't just like everybody. It was like the young guys. Yeah, it was a nice touch. I feel like Bubba was so out of place, but the rest I could buy. <laughs> hey, Big Bubba is never out of place. How freaking dare you? Anyway. I um, think he's like brand new to being Big Bubba, by the way. I just stopped being the, the guardian. Time. He just yeah. stopped being the guardian angel months earlier. I like how they ran through all these different gimmicks and then they're like, you know what? F it. We'll just put you in yeah, the gimmick right? you had back in the 80s. He's been a cop. He's been a guardian angel. He's been a security guard. He's been a SWAT officer. What has he not been? Like a CIA agent or what? Basically. <laughs> Arn dominates the early part of the match, but once Flair fights back, it's constantly back and forth. When Flair finally gets in the figure four, he punches Arn's knee repeatedly and even spits on him. Arn eventually reverses it, 
In the end, Flying Brian gets on the apron. He runs down to the ring, gets on the apron. Was he one of the guys in the crowd, or did he come from the back? Yeah, he was with the American Males. Okay, yeah. I thought so. Yeah, uh, he gets he hops the guardrail, gets into the ring, or, or not in the ring, but on the ring apron. And Flair, he's behind the referee's back. Flair punches him, or he punches Flair. Flair punches him back, and then turns around, and Brian like does a jumping kick with his cowboy boot to the side of Flair's head, busting him open. I was like, dang, I wonder if Flair got a little, a little hot at him for that. But Arn hits a DDT on Flair for the win. The crowd explodes, but it's about 50-50 for Arn, 50-50 against him, I'd say. I mean, did you get that? Well, yeah, but also, come on, dude, it's... um. Yeah, it's Rick Flair. It's Carolina. Yeah, so. right. And it's it's and I expected it. It's fifty for R and fifty for Flair. I I mean that's it, it's to be expected. And f- as much as I love Arn Anderson and just got done putting him over, it's Rick freaking Flair. I mean he's like a god in the Carolinas. So I couldn't help but think that if this was a Russo booking, he'd have had all this build up, all this anticipation, months of planning, and then these two would have hugged it out, swerved everyone, and the audience would have been pissed. Yeah, I <laughs> but, love the uh, the ending yeah. of this. I thought it was so great. Yeah, it was great. It gave Flair an out. Arn gets his win against Flair. The match was great. Uncle Dave gave it three and a half stars, but I gave it four stars. What say you? I gave it four. I just just shy of five for me. Yeah, um, it was so damn good, though. And as much as I love the ending of it, and I and you and I have talked about it, I don't always, unless the ending is just atrocious, I don't let an ending ruin any match for me. And I dug the ending of this match. I really did. Because uh, me but, too, especially considering where it was going. Yeah, yeah. Looking back at it, yeah. Yeah, when you factor that into it and all that, of course. But I feel if it was just a straight one-on-one match and Arn got his win and whatever, uh, it might have been five stars, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, storyline-wise, this completely made sense. And it it did work. I remember when when I first watched it, because I, when I first went through 1995, uh, you and I did a watch of all the 1995 pay-per-views a while back. And... When I first watched it, I didn't know where it was going because I didn't follow wrestling yet at this time, and I never went back and looked. So I was actually excited to see where the hell this thing went. So, I, I mean, when you hook me for 25 years later, you're doing something right. <laughs> right. <laughs> follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our 4th of July special. The new Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $8.99. Plus free premium delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. They show a promo for the War Games with Kevin Sullivan. I said that if I did a ton of acid and smoked a pound of weed, I still couldn't have come up with this crap. Yeah, that promo was uh, a little weird. Yeah, this was just effing. Just, weird doesn't even begin to cover it. 
<laughs> I'm trying to find the words for it. Uh, I don't know if there really are words, Greg. It's just, yeah. it's something. You, you, everybody, you need to go back and watch it just to see what the hell we're talking about. Again. 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 Do you realize you are going into the most dangerous match of all times? War games. Two steel cages, the Dungeon of Doom against the Hulkamaniacs. I told you life would not be easy. <laughs> you are the one that created me. You and I can't coexist on this planet. Ha <laughs> ha! I can feel evil in cage. You locked me with the Dungeon of Doom. All eight of us at the same time. <laughs> the scarf on your head will start to smoke and boil. Soon your hearing will go. The master himself will drive the wagons. With all the Hulkamaniac carcasses laying on it. The Dungeon of Doom brought you these posies, but they expired. We love you not. We actually hate your guts. <laughs> and we hate you! <laughs> you know what's gonna happen to the immortal Hulkamaniac? You're gonna get buried. My heart goes out to you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's um talking uh, like in gothic tongues or something. Yeah, like yeah, like demonic tongues to the and and the, and, and the and it's not even just the audio and what he's saying, but also just how like the psychedelic crap and the effects going on and whatever. It's, it, they did this a lot with the Dungeon of Doom. And it was like, it rode the fine line between cool and fitting and what the F are you doing? <laughs> I mean, at least to me, it, it did that. But they then show a normal promo for Hogan's team, and they say that Vader, quote, went AWOL. So yeah. Sting voted for Lex Luger to be a part of the team because best buds. However, they don't know if he can be trusted. Because keep in mind, he's new to the uh, to uh, WCW at the time, and he just had a feud with Hulk Hogan or had a match against him on, on Nitro that we covered in the news. So all this is going on at the time. The story of the match, as far as from the babyface side, is can we trust Luger? So that's uh, that's going on. But backstage, we have one more thing. It's the promos, man. Mean Gene Okerlund is interviewing the painted-up battle-ready Hulkamaniacs. I dug the way they looked. I, mean, I did, too. It was pretty I also, old I also, school. I made a note, too. Like This is funny. Within a half a year's time, this is not the first time that Luger, Sting, and Savage V face painted going to war, but this time right. against Hogan. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, and this this one, Sting actually he didn't wear his traditional style face paint. He wore like complete camo face paint, like he was actually going to war. It was pretty cool looking. Yeah, it was. Uh Hulk Hulk Hogan says that they just drink a couple gallons of Agent Orange. That's not What the hell is that? Agent Orange is a herbicide and I can't pronounce that word. Either way, it's a chemical, one of the tactical use rainbow uh, herbicides 
It was widely known by use of the U.S. military as part of the chemical warfare program, Operation Ranch Hand, during the Vietnam War. So, yeah. So, according to Hulk Hogan, uh, they you drink a ton of that. So. Yeah. According to Hulk Hogan, they drink a ton of that. That's why I said that's not advisable. He then said that this makes them impervious to pain. This makes me question if Hogan knows how Agent Orange works. <laughs> Macho Man says that they're a united front. Sting says that he doesn't want to talk. He just wants to go to war. And I noticed this was a trend a lot for Sting during this time period. Did you notice that? Uh, now I do. <laughs> he cut a lot of promos during this time period where he's like, I don't have anything to say, Gene. I just want to go out and kick some butt. Woo! Like, he just did that a lot. Or he would stumble over his words and end up saying, I, I don't have anything to say. Woo! The Luger's, this makes me think uh, Sting was not a good promo back in the day. Uh, Luger says, speaking in the ring, clearly. Yeah, that is true. The Luger says that his camo is on and he's completely with the team. Hogan says that he looked Luger in the eye and he could tell he's, quote, American made from head to toe, end quote. Well, which I guess, which I means, I, or I guess this means that he's trustworthy if he's American made. I mean, I, least, I, I mean, at least it's not made in China, because we all know that if your product is made in China, 50-50, it's going to break within a month. But that's beside the point. <laughs> Leaving that alone. And that's not a racist remark. It's a remark on the quality of their products coming out of that country. But regardless. Leaving that alone. Jimmy Hart then says something looking like a goofy cartoon character like he always does. We're ready for war, baby. It's going down in the in double cage tonight, baby. Ha ha ha. Wow. What? I had to get one Jimmy Hart uh, impression in there. But that's always on our bonus shows. Why am I always doing Jimmy Hart on the bonus shows? Uh, it's, uh, hope- because the people on YouTube uh, appreciate it. Hell yeah, they do. Everybody should appreciate Jimmy Hart. He is a living, breathing cartoon character. Come on down to Jimmy Hart's no, that's beach Jim, hot, baby. That's Jim Cornette. But... Wow. Jimmy Hart's beach, beach hot, baby. Get some beans and taters. Beans and taters. Woo! That sounds <laughs> disgusting. Beans and taters. That's what he always... Apparently, that's how he always pimped his beach hut. And he's like, we got cold beer in a can, baby. It's not, it's not in the glass. It's in a can because we're on the beach, baby. Woo! I don't know why I always say woo for Jimmy Hart. He never said woo in his life, but that's that's my thing now. As Hogan's talking, Sting runs by the camera repeatedly going, Woo! Yeah. <laughs> this was great. He's firing him up, dude. Yeah. I just love, like, Hogan's talking. Sting just walks by every so often. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, mean Gene calls Zodiac the Zodiac Man. I don't know if that was his nickname or if Gene just gave up and didn't give a damn what he was called. But we're finally here, man. The main event, it's the Hulkamaniacs. The team is Hulk Hogan, Sting, Macho Man, and Lex Luger. They're ta- they have Jimmy Hart in their corner. They're taking on the Dungeon of Doom, which is represented by... Hold on your ass with this one. <laughs> this, this first name, and I know he just... I know he just passed, so I'm sorry, but oh, seriously... Hold on, let's just put a disclaimer. No one's making fun of the person, okay? Let's get that no, out there. No, but this is 1995, and this team is represented by, first of all, Kamala, uh, Meng, the Shark, and Zodiac. All of which are former... I mean, You've got Kamala, the Ugandan, the Ugandan giant. You've got um, Haku, or King Haku, whatever. You've got Earthquake, and you've got Bruce the effing Barber Beefcake. This, and if you look at the other side of the ring, you got Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Lex Luger. The only non-WWF guy in this match is Sting. I mean, if yeah. you want to count the Taskmaster, because he's, he's <laughs> in the corner. Taskmaster's in the corner of the, uh, the Dungeon of Doom. The stipulation of this match is if Hogan wins, if, or if the Hulkamaniacs win, Hogan gets, what, I think like five minutes in the cage alone yeah. with, with Taskmaster. Which sounds a little creepy, where it's like, if I win, I get you alone. Well, nobody said minutes. it like that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But this match went for 18 minutes, 47 seconds. 
The shark is being announced as being over 540 pounds, even though he looks, even though Kamala looks much bigger than him at this point. Like, look, I get the embellishment, but 540, like, come on now. I don't know. Meng is now announced as Meng, the face of terror. All right. Uh, For some reason, Macho Man has white tape wrapped around the legs of his pants. I guess it's to hold them on. I don't know. This was, it was a weird look for him. You catch the weirdest stuff. I just, I was like, why did he wrap tape around his legs? It's just weird. To start the match, it's Sting and Shark. Yeah, I, I know. But at one point, Shark goes, oh, Of course it's going to be Shark. The Sting one. Should just well, because, well, you know, when I think of the Iron Man for the team, Greg, I think John Tenta. Again, not crapping on the person. No. At one point, Shark goes to the other ring, and Sting leaps over both ropes with a clothesline. That was probably the coolest thing of this entire match. Shark was blown up within the first five minutes. He's just sweating like a hog and just sucking wind. I was like, dang, dude. (laughs) Sting locks in the Scorpion Deathlock when the Zodiac gets in next. It was cool to see Sting hang off the top of the cage and kick him. That was kind of cool. Just spoiler, Sting did the coolest stuff in the entire match. Uh, You don't say (laughs) Shark eventually helps Zodiac double-team Sting. Sting get, uh, just gets basically dominated until Macho Man comes in. Kamal is next in for the Dungeon of Doom. Lex Luger is next in and cleans house, uh, but accidentally hits Savage. Sting tries to hold them back from a brawl. Mang is next in for the Dungeon, so that gives him his opening to uh, take out the baby faces. This is the first show of 1995 where Mang actually gets custom tights and full face paint. Before here, he was wrestling in a suit. You remember that? I do, yeah. Yeah, so he, he was looking like the original Big Bubba Rogers. Uh, Hogan we don't need la- two Big Bubbas, pal. Yeah, Big Bubba and Big Bang. Hogan is the last in, and he powders everybody in the eyes like a true baby face. Because, I was going to say, because Hogan's a face. <laughs> exactly, back rake and powder in the eyes, baby face. Uh, did we also, before we go on, did we laugh at the fact that the heels won the coin toss again? Yeah, I just, I, I, we really need to add this up, Greg, because I, I mean, there's got to be some... They're using big coins or something. Yeah, there's got to be some funny business going on here because I remember the horseman winning every single coin toss, and that just that can't be right. (laughs) Either way, it's almost like it's a work, Greg. Just perish the thought. Later, (laughs) later to show that he's a true babyface, Sting powders someone in the face too. Hogan ends up locking Zodiac in the camel clutch. Yes, Hogan did a camel clutch. I wait for the irony. And Zodiac. <laughs> but I don't think he broke Brutus's back and made him humble. Uh, but Zodiac keeps shouting, "Yes, no, yes, no," because that's his gimmick. He apparently can't make it with his mind. Finally, the referee just says "F it" and he calls for the bell. This match was quite literally four fit, muscled, tan baby faces taking on two in-shape guys and two fat older guys. Didn't notice that. I mean, no, but I guess I should have. Everybody. Also, on... I believe I believe everybody on the other team was like legit Hogan's friend. That's what Bischoff said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I only want to work with his friends. Like that's different from the click. How? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so Hogan's it... group was a lot bigger, obviously. I mean, right. in a couple of ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at it, Hogan, Sting, Macho Man, Luger, big, tan, muscle bound, and Arcade's I mean, coming up, dude. Wow. And as much as I crap on Brutus, Brutus Beefcake, he was always in phenomenal shape and had an impeccable tan. And then you look, Kamala, the Shark. Big fat, and then Mang was like, he wasn't big fat, but he wasn't like, you know, nobody would ever be like, oh man, he looks like Mr. Universe, you know? No, but he so, also went helps fat to his face, you might kill them, so. 
yeah, bite your nose off for real. It, I said it just wasn't super great. The, quote, match beyond didn't last very long, about what I expected. The match type saved it, I feel, for me anyway, because I just, I love War Games matches. Uncle Dave gave it one and one four star. I gave it two and a half stars for average. What say you? I, I had a lot of fun watching this match. I thought it was three stars. I thought it was really fun. I, yeah. I kind of like the pacing of who they brought into the match at each interval. Yeah, I just, I loved it. Not to it, where I was like, it's amazing, but I, I had a lot of fun watching it. And I was never bored. A lot of action. I don't think it sucked. I'll say that. I mean, there's, I haven't went back and watched every War Games match, so I don't, I can't really judge. I'm going to say the worst one was probably that one where they completely changed the rules and it just had it in a regular, then they have it in the three tier cage or some crap. Yeah, War Games 2000. Wait, tell me you didn't like that one. That was amazing. Vince Russo was in that one. Do you want to stab him now or later? <laughs> Hot damn, dude. Let's do it now. But, get <laughs> so anyway, after the match, Taskmaster tries to leave, but security makes him go back to the cage. Sting grabs him and throws him into the cage. Hogan ping-pong balls Taskmaster off the cage over and over. Uncle I Dave think you legit split him open, too. Oh, I'm sure he did. Uncle Dave crapped on this a little bit because he was like, Hogan's beating on him like he's just some like nameless jobber or a manager or something where, you know, the uh, Taskmaster... He's a, a nameless booker man. <laughs> and, but it's like, at this time, Taskmaster was like a legit active wrestler having like, you know, matches constantly, and Hogan's just like beating the tar out of him. But I, I don't know. He's like half funny, brother. Judging by Hol- Sullivan's size, I think Hogan's crapped bigger things than Kevin Sullivan, but wow. Wow. I don't know. Wow, you said that. <laughs> but he beats him outside of the cage and then back inside of the cage. Uncle Dave also said this had no heat because nobody cares about Sullivan. <laughs> I I have to agree with him on that one. I just... Yeah. I never, I never... Kevin Sullivan. Wow. What the hell? <laughs> I beat you to it. Oh, we might get God, some hate be, for that, that one. It can't but... be good that we both said that like, in stereo. In our, in his defense, I have never watched any of his stuff from Florida. Ever. So I don't know if, like, I heard he did great stuff down there and had a ton of heat with Purple Haze. I don't know. I never watched it. I don't care about it. I mean, kudos yeah. to him, but I, I was never a Sullivan fan. And the I fact, never saw anything in him other than him being the guy outside. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Well, the thing with... I, I don't know if, you know, some people might crap on me for saying this, but it kind of ruins the illusion of, oh, he's this de- devil worshiper from Singapore or whatever. Meanwhile, he's talking like this. I got a line on the socks. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just, I, it blew the illusion for me. Don't you don't know, know that all uh, all Bostonians are devil worshippers, apparently? <laughs> Finally, the giant comes out and moves referee Randy Anderson aside so that he can get into the cage. <laughs> I'm, sorry. Funny. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. What I heard was, finally, the giant comes out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it puts an end to this, at least. Hogan the way tries... you said that, though, it's like, oh, finally, that's what, that's what this whole night's been missing. Well, yeah. It's not quite the dry humping yet, but we're, we'll get to that in a couple in a, in a month. Hogan tries fighting off the giant, but ju- the giant is not selling for him. Giant chokes him and then, quote, snaps his neck. We just, we literally just talked about Zeus doing this to him on our Saturday Night's Main Event episode. That seems so, to be the thing. What do you yeah. mean? You got to snap his neck. Bro, we're going to break his yeah. neck, bro. I want to say he's had this done to him a few times, like another time, too, but I could be mistaken. I don't I remember. I could think of Zeus, Giant. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, Earthquake did it, too. Oh, good lord. The, but the Hulkamaniacs... Shark, for those of you keeping score. Shut up. The, the Hulkamaniacs rush the cage again, but the Giant and the Taskmaster take off. They're acting like Hogan is dead, 
and even Michael Buffer gets on in the the mic and says that they need some paramedics at ringside. Meanwhile, Bobby, by the way, Bobby Heenan is losing his crap. <laughs> yeah, he's cackling like he's cackling like the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> I've been saying it for years. <laughs> oh, it's dead. Like, yeah, damn, like, dude. You're laughing that this guy is literally might be dead or at the very least paralyzed. Oh, like, man. for God's sake, that's some dark. Like, this took a dark turn, man. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. But to the final ratings here of this event, IMDb gave it 6 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 5.42 out of 10. I gave it 6.5 out of 10. What say you? I, I gave it a solid C+. That was uh, so that'd be a 7 out of 10? Yeah. I mean, the opening match was awesome. Flair and Anderson was a classic. War Games oh, was sure. fun. So, yeah. Everything else on the card was pretty much garbage. <laughs> I just, there's not enough for me to give it a B, though. Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, if war games had been better, I probably would have said it'd be, honestly. Um, yeah, this just, I don't know, man. I think this it, uh, event was fine. Later on, though, in war games, I want to say this is like the first one, maybe the second, but they they start putting guys in there like, why? Why those guys? You know, I mean, yeah, in 90, 97, I believe was probably the worst one. I had the horseman, which was good, but then they had, I think they had Hall, I mean, sorry, Nash, Conan, Six, and Buff Bagwell. Yeah, because when I think Randos, of the NWO, that's who I think about. Besides Nash, taking Nash out of the equation. Uh, yeah, so. no Nash, no Hogan, no no Hall. I thought you just. Well, I thought you said Hall was in there. No, no, sorry, Nash is in it, not Hall. Sorry. Oh, okay. But okay, so it's just it's just a random group, though. Yeah, I, I might know. be able to buy Xbox or Six because that's Nash's buddy. But still, yeah. it's not the NWO. But well, that's. I mean. You go with 1998, and they've got representing the NW, NWO is uh, Stevie F and Ray. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So I, I believe at this year, 95, that's when they started just throwing random guys in the cage. Yeah, well, I, mean, I believe there wasn't one in 99. So and they did def- have overall, no war games, but no. Well, their defense, as far as throwing random people in the cage, they did that a lot back in the day too, because it was just like Dusty's team. No, and, yeah, but know, I feel <laughs> like a lot of them had stuff going on. Like I didn't give yeah. a damn about the Shark and Kamala and Ming. How dare you? Watch <laughs> your one? mouth. Who's the other one? Oh, uh, Zodiac. Zodiac, even Zodiac. less. Well, now you're just getting offensive and stupid, Greg. How can you not? I don't even know who you are anymore. I'm going to go ahead and do it right now. Yeah. You, just, you should be ashamed and apologize. <laughs>
Anyway, Lord I, forgive me, please. That was our bonus show for September. You wanted to do it. You effing wanted to do this, so I. I thought it was a fun you. show. I. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what? If we're gonna be like, if we're keeping scorecards here, the, the blackjack brawl. You know, that wait, was wait, you. Wait, whoa, wait! How dare you? That that was a classic. If we're keeping score here, well, I'm still batting higher than you. Maybe not much, but higher. Well, and I, I mean, not to you know bury my point here, but I, I did get you to watch uh, Born to Be Wired. So yeah, exactly. So there you go. That's it. Hey. Although, uh, classics, man. Blackjack Brawl though takes the cake. Born to Be Wired was like WrestleMania 19 compared to this crap. Well, go <laughs> go listen to it. Go listen to it. Oh yeah, by all means, go listen to it. Yeah. No, I mean it's, it's you'll have fun. We laugh a lot. I will say that now. If you haven't listened yeah, to Blackjack Brawl, is and honestly, it was probably the one I had the most fun making. It 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 was a it was a fun show. Yeah, I I did have a lot of fun with it. Now in the archives, and this month coming up, we've got another Fall Brawl. We're going to 1997, the one we were just talking about a little bit. It's WCW Fall Brawl 1997. It's the Horsemen versus the NWO in the War Games match to close the show. And if I, I remember correctly, I think that was an amazing show. Yeah, I'm very. I've never. I know blasphemy, but I've never seen it before. I. That's why I like doing this podcast. I don't care. You know, I, I mean, obviously, I want as many people to listen as humanly possible. But you know, a few listeners, you know, a lot of listeners, whatever. It gives me incentive to go back and watch some great shows of the past. Like this one, like I said, the show is closed with uh, four horsemen in the NWO and the War Games. And the reason here here's a match: it was Lex Luger and Diamond Dallas Page versus Scott Hall and Randy Savage in a no DQ tag match. Mm, some of these matches I'm not so hyped about, but I mean, the show opens with Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho for the cruiserweight title. And I mean, yeah, it's uh, damn good. Color me shocked, <laughs> but yeah, that's that one's. If you want to open a show hot. Right friggin' there, man. And I'm not being facetious. And then we go to the Steiner Brothers versus Harlem Heat. That could go either way. Uh, Alex Wright versus Ultimo Dragon for the TV title. I like both of those guys. Jeff Jarrett versus Dean Malenko, I think. Uh, I mean, Jarrett has his on nights and his off nights. And more times than not, Dean Malenko is fantastic. So I'm going to say that one's probably great. So, Or at least good. I can't but, remember that specific match off the top of my head, but yes. But then we've got Wrath and Mortis versus the Faces of Fear, Mang and Barbarian. I don't know. I'll save judgment until I watch it. And then we've got the Giant versus Scott Morton in five and a half minutes. That one, uh... That's got WrestleMania main event written all over it, dude. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, ladies and gents, that does it for this. Thank you for joining us on this bonus show. We love bringing you as much bonus content as humanly possible. We appreciate all you being here with us today. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will catch you all on the podcast. It drops every Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks. And Facebook is facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844 
the been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind I can already taste it Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal there's a deal for every moment at McDonald's right now get two of your favorites for just $3.50 mix and match a classic McChicken a hot and spicy McChicken or a juicy McDouble price and participation may vary cannot be combined with combo meal single item at regular price Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky? in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.